We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Let's say this out loud and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His words. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Alright, what I want to do this morning is just review what we did two Sundays ago. And then take a, little forward, uh, take a step forward from there. So if you tell me in your Bible to so Psalm 132, please. Psalm 132. We're going to spend a few moments just going back over these verses. Psalm 132, verses 13 to 18. We'll review that and then move from there to Isaiah, the 60th chapter. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So we looked at these verses. We said, you know, God desires to dwell among a people. He desires to dwell among them. And look at, his, look at what he's saying. I have chosen them. I want to dwell among them. I have desired to make them my resting place. And what we said was this, when, God, when the Old Testament talks about Zion, in the New Testament, the Zion, Zion, Mount Zion, applies to the church. In the Old Testament, Zion was originally a, a little mountain outside of Jerusalem, began as a geographical location, so Mount Zion. At that time, in 1 Samuel 6, uh, it, was, it's a, it was a little place, a little city where the Jebusites lived. And when David became king in Jerusalem, he went and he took over that, overcame it, conquered it, took over it. And so Mount Zion became the city of David. And then later on, as Jerusalem grew and enveloped that whole area, that whole place came to be known as Jerusalem. So in the Old Testament, geographically speaking, Mount Zion, the city of David, Jerusalem, are used interchangeably. But then as you progress in the Old Testament, soon this terminology begins to be used not in the geographical context, but as reference to God's people. So when the Bible talks about Zion, or Mount Zion, it's talking about the people of God, as opposed to a mount. And then when he progressed into the New Testament, Mount Zion now begins to refer to the church. First Peter chapter 2, Peter is writing, he quotes from Isaiah 28, God says, I lay in Zion a chief 
cornerstone. Then Peter says, and Christ himself has become this cornerstone. And then he talks about the church. And you are built into a living house. You are living stones. He talks about the church. So, the church with Jesus as the cornerstone is referred to as Zion. In Hebrews 12, 25, the writer of Hebrews says, And you have come to Mount Zion, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. So you have come to Mount Zion. What is Mount Zion in the New Testament? Hebrews 12, 25. The general assembly of the church of the firstborn. You've come to the gathering of the church of Jesus. So Mount Zion in the New Testament is the church. So when you read Mount Zion in the Old Testament or Zion the Old, you can transfer those truths to the church in the New. Amen? So we read this passage again with that in mind. God says, I have chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. God has desired the church, the house of God, to be his dwelling place. We are the dwelling place of God. He says, this is my resting place. I have desired it. God desires this. I want to dwell among these people. And so we said, you know, we are a people that God desires to dwell among. And if God dwells among us, then all these things will happen. Let's quickly review. Verse 15. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. So divine provision begins to flow. Needs of people begin to be met. Among a people whom God is dwelling. Amen. People come in with needs. We all face needs at different points in life. We come in. And because we are a people among whom God is dwelling... Provision begins to flow. Supply begins to come. Because God says, Among these people whom I dwell, I will bless, abundantly bless their provision. Verse 16. I will clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. So salvation and the joy of salvation prevails among these people. When we talk about salvation, we talk about Forgiveness, we're talking about healing, we're talking about deliverance, we're talking about everything that is contained in that word salvation. This becomes so much a part of this people among whom God is dwelling. And there are shouts of joy for their salvation. Amen? Because God is dwelling among them. Salvation. People come in and get saved. Yesterday we had our youth service and I was so happy. There were two people, at least in my little group, we broke up in groups and we talking and Jacob Anita and myself were with two other young people and they were there and I'm both from non-Christian backgrounds I mean they just happened to be there what a nice opportunity sharing the gospel and both of them gave their hearts to Jesus amen I'm not sure about the other groups I'm sure there were you know other young people and I'm sure many of them would have given their heart to Jesus it was just amazing salvation begins to take place and just happens so easily amen and here's a good report, you know, at this latest conference. I reached Delhi middle of the night, like 12 midnight, Sunday night. And I uh, went to the hotels like around 12.30 a.m. And uh, they said, do you want some food to eat? I said, no, no, no I don't want anything. Uh, I you know, had something already. Uh, just give me a little lassi and that's enough. So at that time, unearthly time of the night, I was in my room and this waiter comes, he brings, you know, Lassi at that 12.30 a.m. crazy preacher coming in at this time. <laughs> Wanting Lassi in the middle of the night. 
And he comes and he gives it to me and he goes. And I was just so moved with compassion. I said, God, this guy, middle of the night, has made lassi and brought it for me. <laughs> and suddenly this compassion led into the presence of God. I just was felt, and he'd gone out of my room. But I just felt overwhelmed with God's presence. I started kind of weeping and I just started praying for the hotel. I said, God, uh, and the whole conference was held in that hotel. Everybody was staying there. I said, God, your people are going to be in this hotel for four days. And I was reminded of Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. It says, God came. God came. God came from Teman. His glory covered the earth. And the earth was filled with his praise. His presence was like brightness and lightnings went forth from his hand and there his power was hidden. So just as verses just came, I just said, God, please come. Let your glory fill this hotel. Let this hotel be filled with your praise. And Lord, release your, let your presence be like brightness and let your lightnings hit one of the, all of these people here. And let them experience your power. And I just prayed that. And I, you know, just that moment, just praying. I went to sleep, got up. Monday morning, just prayed, went through the same verse. Just, just, I don't know, for some reason, you, get, you start dwelling on a certain verse of scripture. Just praying, say, God, just in the, let your glory come. And touch all these people working in this hotel. Now, that was my prayer. I know I prayed that. I'm not, and I'm sure that other people would have also prayed for the staff and people in the hotel. So we had these four days. I was there the first days, came back. Next two days, the conference went on, others preaching. Yesterday, I get an email from Brother Joshua David, who's host of the conference, he says, you know, on the fourth day, the hotel manager, director, got all his staff together. He invited the team to come and minister to them. This is a 100% Hindu, non-Christian hotel, right? He got them to come, minister to them. Almost all of them received Jesus Christ into their hearts. And they said, they are going to church today, this Sunday. We are all coming to church. I mean, like, it's a Hindu hotel. They're going to church this Sunday. And not only that, they own some sort of an educational institution. So he invited them to come teach us on biblical ethics. Teach us on, you know, management. This, all these kinds of things from the Bible. Just the whole door was opened. Amen. That's what happens when God comes. Amen. There's like hardly any sweat to win those people to Jesus. God just came. They showed up. And his glory touched people. Covered that hotel. Things just happened. So God says, I will clothe them with salvation. The saints will shout aloud for joy. Verse 17. I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. So David, anointed, represents God's anointed people. And God says, I will cause a horn. Meaning their dominion. Their strength, their capacity to overcome, that's the horn. Their dominion, their rulership. I will cause their strength to increase. And he says, I will be a lamp to my anointed, meaning revelation. So among the people whom God is dwelling, people are growing, increasing in their strength. Increasing in their capacity to overcome. So as you and I are part of this body of people among whom God is dwelling, this is happening in us. Our horns are increasing. Strength, conquering capacity is increasing. And revelations coming. 
you begin to see things about things of God and receive revelation who God is, what he does, because he's dwelling amongst us. And last, verse 18, his enemies are clothed with shame, but upon himself his crown shall flourish. So God is saying, I will cause them to triumph over the enemies. When God is dwelling among our people, those people become victorious, triumphant. Amen. Can you imagine having a church where everybody's saying, yeah, I'm conquering my enemies. He's preparing a table before me in the presence of my. The phones don't ring in the office. And we're wondering why. Nobody's calling for prayer. Why? I'm not saying don't call for prayer. I'm just saying what will happen. Nobody's. Why? Because everybody's triumphant. God is dwelling among his people. He's causing his people to walk in victory over their enemies. Amen. And he's increasing their honor here on earth. Among a people whom God dwells. The Lord has chosen Zion. So I want to invite us as a church. And I'm, I know that we're just reviewing this. To be a people. Who've made. For whom God makes his dwelling place. His presence. You know. Somebody says. Somebody asked me this. Okay. You know. We know God's everywhere. So what are you talking about? God dwelling in, among us. He said I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So what are you saying? God dwelling among us. What does it mean? There are degrees of God's presence. It is true God's omnipresence. But there are degrees of his presence. God's omnipresence. You go under the sea, he's there. Up in the mountains, he's there. But there are degrees of God's presence. Greater manifestations of his presence. And that's the difference. That among a people that God dwells, there's, his presence is evident in a much greater way than just, you know, God's everywhere kind of thing. And among them, all these things begin to happen. Amen? Now I want to just take us now to Isaiah, the 60th chapter. The word of the Lord for this year, 2012, was ministered to us from Isaiah, the 60th chapter. So let's go there. I want us to read few verses and then we probably read the whole chapter. Isaiah chapter 60. God says to his people, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. So God is telling his people, my glory will be seen upon you. Now that's really interesting that God would say, my glory will be seen upon you. Because in other places, in the book of Isaac, God says, I am the Lord, there is no other. And my glory, I'm the Lord, there's no one else. And my glory, I will not give to. I'm not going to share my glory. Of course, he's talking about graven images and idols and so on. He says, my glory, I will not give. I won't share. But for his people, he's saying, my glory will be seen upon you. Amen. All right. So say this, do this for yourself. Say this with me. God's glory will be seen 
upon me. Say it again. God's glory will be seen upon me. He said, my glory will be seen upon you. Now, what is this thing called glory? I know some people have the name glory. I say, hi, glory. <laughs> what is this thing called glory? The Old Testament has it. The New Testament has it. Glory. To put it very simply, if you, if you said the, the, the Hebrew word and the Greek words, Hebrew words and Greek word for glory. To put it very simply, glory simply means a revelation, an expression of who God is and what he does. That's glory. What is glory? It's an expression. A tangible expression. You see, the glory of God. It is a tangible expression. Something that we humans can touch, see or connect with. It's a tangible expression of who God is and what he does. Who he is, his attributes. He's wisdom. He's love. He's all power. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the provider. God is. And what he does, he heals. He delivers. He, he does amazing things. So an expression of who God is and what he does. That's what the Bible means by glory. We beheld his glory. We'll talk more about this next Sunday. We beheld his glory. The glory of God is an expression of who God is and what he does. So the Bible says his glory will be seen upon you. Meaning through you will be revealed to the people around you. Who God is and what he does. Through you. Through his people. You say, what, what does it mean? Well, simple things. Is God all wisdom? God is all wisdom. Now when a little bit of God's wisdom is released through you. What's happening? His glory is being seen. Through you or upon you. Amen. So you may be sitting in a board meeting. With all these people. And you're trying to solve a problem. Or in a conference room. With all these people trying to solve a problem. And suddenly the wisdom of God comes. You get an idea. You speak it out. So whoa. That's the wisdom of God solving the problem. What's happening? Who God is and what he does. Is being revealed through you. His glory is being seen upon you. Amen? Or you're part of a strategy team. You're sitting down. You want to plan. You're, they're all planning. And then you begin to say, you know, five years from now, this, 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 that. We should do this. We should, this is how we should plan. It's like, what's happening? Is God a God who knows the end from the beginning? Is a God a God who knows what's coming five years from now? And he's releasing a part of it through you. And so here you are, sitting in a strategy meeting, making all these plans for five years from now. They say, how do you know? Which newspaper do you read? Which forecast do you get? No, no, no. It's his glory being revealed through me. Amen? Now, you guys are looking strange. Do you think these things can happen? Yes or no? 
this is God's glory. Who God is and what he does being revealed through you. Solving problems, having foresight, ministering healing. Is God the healer? Yes, he is. Somebody comes through the pain, sickness, disease. That's what we encourage you to stand up and pray. Because God's glory can be revealed through you. Amen? What I want us to take back today, this morning, is simply one thing. God wants his glory to be seen through me. Through you. Who he is and what he does. He said, my glory will be seen upon you. Amen? Say this to me. God's glory will be seen upon me. Say it again. God's glory will be seen upon me. So tomorrow morning, when you go into your classroom, when you go to your school, your college, when you go to your place of work, say, Lord, you said, your glory will be seen upon me. It's not like, you know, you're suddenly going, oh, look so bright today. <laughs> they may say that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about who God is and what he does. To be seen through your life. In real, tangible ways that people can relate to. Is God love? So you go to this office and you're in a den of lions. Meaning, the colleague there is ready to chew off your leg. That colleague there is ready to bite your hand off. That boss there is ready to chop your head. But you serve a God who is a God of love. And you come into that environment. And you begin to love these people. You begin to love them. His glory, who God is, is being seen through you. Think what it will do to that environment. His, he said, my glory will be seen upon you. Is God a creative God? Yes or no? Yeah. So you go to your school, your college, your place of work. You say, God, your glory will be seen. Today, I have to you know, design something. I have to come out with a, 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 I don't know if you're an architect. You know, I need to come up with a blueprint for this piece of land. Whatever. God. You are a creative God. Creativity is an expression of your glory. Who you are and what you do. Release it through me, God. And God begins to give you ideas you never thought of before. You know, to put it into your architecture work, your design work, whatever. His glory is being seen through you. Amen. Now God desires that because he says, my glory shall be seen upon you. Who I am and what I can do, I want it to be seen through you. The question is, are you ready to expect it? Are you going back tomorrow as, oh no man, this back to the same grind. Ah, Got to do this another 20 years so that I can send my kids to school. And... If that's the way you approach life, it's going to be really hard. But if you go to life saying, God, you said your glory will be seen on me. God, today, something more 
of your glory. Something more of who you are and what you do. Let it come through my life. Something more. Ask him. He promised it. He said, my glory shall be seen upon you. Who I am, what I do will be seen through my people. You desire it. Something more, Lord. Something more. Now, what will happen when God's glory is seen upon his people? That's the rest of Isaiah 60. Let's just read through it very quickly and we close. So when God's glory is seen upon his people and you and I are a people in this city upon whom God's glory is being seen, here's what will happen. Remember, Old Testament Zion, New Testament church, so we can transfer these truths to the body of Christ. Verse 3, Then Gentiles will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar, and your daughters will be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart will swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Two big things he's talking about. One, Gentiles. People outside the fold. People who don't know God yet. They will come. You know, in the, in the Bible, there is the go, but there is also the come. God tells his people, I want you to go into all the world. But you know, many places God says, they will come. Acts chapter 15, quoting from, I think Zechariah chapter 9. James stands up and says, brethren, the prophet said, in the last days I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. And the children of Edom will come, saying, let us go and worship God. And he's saying, this is that. This is Acts 15. There is no tabernacle being built. And James is saying, it's being done right now. What is the tabernacle of David? A house of praise and worship. So what does the Bible say? When we, uh, when in, in the last days, the tabernacle of David, the, a pray, place of 24-7 prayer will be built, will come up. And then what will happen? The sons of Edom, the people of the world will come. They will to the Lord. Same thing here. When God's glory is seen upon his people, what will happen? They will come. Now we have to go. That's part of our mandate. But there's also the other expectation that when we are a people upon whom God's glory is seen, they will come. Amen. I'll tell you how, what I'm thinking. You know, sometimes we, as a pastor, you struggle is it good to have a big church or a small church? Some people keep saying, oh, big is not better. More people, more problems. So have a small church where you know everybody by name. You know their, you know, their driver, driver plate license so you can see where they are in the city. And <laughs> it just have a small church. It's good. Close fellowship. So, you know, pastors struggle with it. You know, I mean, should I have a small church, a big church? What is it? What's good, bad? And then there's you know, the whole house church movement and all the So you get very confused listening to all this. 
But here's how I see it. And here's what I pray. I say, God, give me millions of souls. I'm not praying for hundred. Praying for millions. God, in the city of Bangalore, give me millions. So, but then you will lose that personal touch. So here's what I do. I say, God, give me millions, but you be personal with them. You be personal. Because I can't. But you be personal. So when I speak to the congregation, God, let them feel like I'm speaking to the individual. In my heart, I keep the individual. In my dream, I dream for millions. And my expectation is, God, you be personal to each person who sits in the congregation. That when they come here, they feel like God spoke to me. Amen? So that's how I, I think. That's what I look. So God, give me millions. Why, how, how dare we can stop for a small church in a city of 8 million people and growing? How dare you limit yourself to it? So God, give me millions. Give us the capacity to touch millions. But you be personal to each one. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to change a fly. God is the one who changes every life. If they get personal with me, it's not going to help them any good. They just get to know a few things about me. But they need to get personal with God. Amen. So the Bible says when God's glory is seen, Gentiles will come. So it might disrupt our services. Amen. Like, it's such a nice, I was thinking, God, when do we start another service or we have like an extension center somewhere, like, you know, when we have no more room in this place. But God and his glory is upon us. Gentiles will come. Your boss will come with you on Sunday morning. To find out what is this thing he goes to every Sunday that's causing this glory to be on him or her. Amen. And then he says, end of verse 5, the wealth of the Gentiles will come. And he talks about the same thing in several verses. Verse 6, the multitude of camels will cover your land. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They will bring gold and incense. They will proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebiot shall minister to you. They shall ascend upon with acceptance on my altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. Meaning all the wealth of the world will start coming to you. So pastor, why do we need all that money? So that we can serve. Amen? That we can give. can bless people. I don't know about you, but I like to give lakhs. It means hundreds of thousands. Amen? I like to do that. There's a joy in being able to do that. Just let it go. Bless another ministry. Bless another thing. This past week, some man of God came and met me, shared about his work. At that moment, and I just felt, I said, we need to sow in this ministry. Gave him a check of five lakhs. He just met me for 15 minutes. So, Pastor, but why do you do that? This is the kingdom of God. 
It's not about all people's church. It's the kingdom of God. When, I, when we sow in to that man's ministry, we are building God's kingdom. Amen? And I, I like to do that. But to be able to do that, you first have to have stuff coming in, right? <laughs> Amen? Just bless that. But this is what the Bible says. When God's glory is seen on you, the wealth of the Gentiles will come. Amen. It'll come. The Bible says, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Because His glory is seen upon you. It'll happen. It says in verse 8, Who are these who fly like a cloud and like doves to their roots? Surely the coastland shall wait for me. The ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar. Their silver and their gold will them to the name of the Lord your God, to the Holy One of Israel, because He has glorified you. God glorifies His house of glory. He glorifies, He exalts, He lifts up His people. Notice verse 10. The sons of foreigners will build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Their kings will minister to you. Imagine people in government coming to the church and saying, you know, how can we serve the church? Their kings will minister to. How can we help you? So we need five pieces of land, north, south, east, west. <laughs> their kings, their people in authority, their rulers will minister to you when his glory is seen upon you. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut by day or night that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. For nation and kingdom which will not serve you will perish and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you. The cypress, the pine, the box tree together. To beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I'll make the place of my feet glorious. Also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. And all those who despised you shall, pro shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord. Zion, the Holy One of Israel. The city of the Lord. City of David. Zion. Referring. Old Testament, the people of God. New Testament, the church. Amen. His glory will be seen upon you. We'll continue this next Sunday and talk more about the glory of God, which He desires to release through His people. But this morning, I want to encourage you. God wants His glory to be seen through your life. And it's not about you. It's not about, you know, how good you are, how skillful you are it's not about you know what a great background you have or anything like that you are his son his daughter you are part of his family you're in covenant with him and he says through my people i will display my glory so all i want to encourage you is to expect that in your life expect it god let your glory be seen through me And we are a people just walking in that glory, just displaying who God is and what he does. Gentiles will come. Kings will come. The wealth of the Gentiles will come. Their ministers will come and serve. It will happen. Amen? So expect God's glory.
Let's stand to our feet and take some time to pray. Would you take some time just to pray this morning and say, God, you said your glory will be seen upon me. Who you are, let it be seen upon me. In my home, my place of work, my school or college where I study, out on the streets, when I meet and interact with people, when I'm faced with challenges and problems or needs, who you are and what you do, God, let it be seen through me. Just a simple prayer. Just asking God to be put on display through your life. When that happens, He said, people will come. Gentiles will come. Kings will come. The wealth, the money that you need will come. He will beautify the house of His glory. He will do it. Father, this morning we just stand before you and just ask you, God, that what you promised, saying, your glory will be seen upon your people. We ask that it will happen through our lives, through each one of us. Let your glory be seen. Who you are and what you do, let it be seen through your people. we just pray that each one of us will put you on display that you who you are and what you do will just be seen through our lives Lord in spite of our own limitations we are just earthen vessels Lord but let your glory be seen upon us as your word says. Let your glory be seen. Let your wisdom, your power, your love, your compassion, your grace, all that you are and all that you do God let it be seen upon us let it be seen we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you you can email us at contact at apcwo.org also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources Thank you for listening and God bless you.